Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, and you're listening to Plan Talk from Janice Henderson Investors. You know, I did my first virtual meeting back in 2008 when I was an internal wholesaler for a separately managed account platform. The platform utilized a proposal generation system where advisors could customize client portfolios based on risk tolerance, goals, and needs. For me, the system was easy and intuitive since I worked with it every day. But for those who hadn't, it took some getting used to. Because of this, we would invite advisors to virtual meetings where they could see our screen and we could walk them through a proposal, the investment policy statement, and the platform's functionality. This all seemed easy enough, but again, with any new technology, in this case the web meeting platform, it took some getting used to. And suffice it to say, getting an advisor into the meeting took a lot of instruction and handholding. I can remember saying to those trying to access the system, no, click there. Now, do you see the orange button that says click here? Okay, what do you see now? And in some cases, both advisor and internal wholesaler would throw up their virtual hands and say, forget it. Let's just talk over the phone. Needless to say, it wasn't as easy as it seemed, nor was it as easy as the platforms all of us have become adept at using over the past few years. And many times, me and other internal wholesalers would commiserate with each other, saying that we needed a virtual meeting in order to instruct advisors how to actually access the real virtual meeting. The thing is, when the advisor was able to access the meeting, it was a great tool. And because of that, I've been a big proponent of virtual meetings since then. It allows you to present information differently, interact, keep people's attention, and communicate with a lot of people in a lot of different places. In fact, I've said many times over the pandemic that I've been doing virtual meetings before it was cool or necessary to do virtual meetings. Of course, these types of meetings became necessary during the pandemic. And for example, in 2020, over 45 billion minutes of virtual meetings were hosted on the Zoom platform. While more and more meetings have been held virtually, and I have always felt that they are useful, many times it can be difficult to gauge their impact. This question becomes especially important for plan sponsors as they try to educate plan participants. We know that participants want and need education, and we know that it is important to provide it in a number of different ways to accommodate schedules, locations, and varying levels of sophistication. But do they work? Well, some new research shows us that it very much does. In today's episode, I'd like to review this research, but more importantly, give you some ideas as to how to leverage this information with participants. The first piece of research came from the Employee Benefit Research Institute, EBRI, who examined the extent to which webinars intended to educate employees on a variety of financial wellness topics 
changed behavior in one specific area, the use of the available 401k plan. When we think about utilizing a 401k plan, what are we really wondering about? We're wondering if people are participating and are they deferring as much as possible into their accounts? Well, EBRI found that the estimated increase in 401k contribution levels after attending any financial wellness well webinar was between $649 and $988, depending on age and initial contribution level. Now, just taking those amounts into account over a 30-year period, assuming a very conservative rate of return of 3%, that participant would have an extra $30,000 to $47,000. Plus, that doesn't even take into account the amounts that are already being deferred and how the increased deferral amounts would increase further over time. The next piece of research comes from Schwab, who showed that participant viewership for virtual live, and on-demand sessions was up 33% in 2021. Along with that, even though many participants returned at least partially to the office in 2021, nearly 100% of education sessions took place virtually. And I think that makes sense to all of us as we have experienced and probably scheduled many of those virtual meetings over the past couple of years. But we come back to the same question. Did these virtual sessions have a positive impact? Well, based on post-session surveys, the answer seems to be a resounding yes. 93% of those who responded said they were better prepared to take the next financial step after attending the session. And 95% were confident they knew where to find the resources they needed to take that step. And isn't that what we're shooting for with any type of education? We want to make sure people have or can find the answers they need, and most importantly, have a more fully formed intention to take positive action. Now, the likelihood of a financial webinar being used does vary by participant characteristics, their age, their contribution levels, and their own personal situation. But based on those two studies, it certainly seems that webinars and virtual meetings can be helpful. So what topics are of most interest? Based on the EBRI research, webinars that covered budgeting, tax changes, estate planning, social security, investing, and healthcare choices. More specifically, budgeting webinars increase savings rates for lower contributors, both young and old, as well as higher contributing older participants. For the younger participants with higher contribution rates, the biggest increase in average subsequent 401k contributions came after an Investing Basics webinar. Besides contribution amounts, attending an emergency fund webinar was also associated with a reduction in new loans for older employees, while attending a webinar on investments was associated with an improved asset allocation for older employees with lower contribution rates. Along with those topics, college savings and debt management webinars saw four times the attendance per session compared to other topics in the experience of Schwab. One other topic that didn't show up in the research, but is one that I get more and more questions about is student loan debt. The average borrower has $36,520 
in total debt. And the total debt load for Americans currently is $1.7 trillion spread across 42 million borrowers. While many feel these borrowers are all in their 20s and 30s, it's very important to note that this is not the case. Student loan debt affects people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and even 60s. In fact, Fidelity showed that the average student loan balance of baby boomers was nearly $58,300. So being able to provide education and resources through webinars is going to be a great way to help participants of many different ages. You might be surprised to find out that there are actually seven different ways for someone to pay off their student loans. And in my experience, very few borrowers, benefits people, or financial professionals know that there are all these options. Providing education to participants in this area can help to ensure student loan payments aren't backbreaking and better ensure that borrowers will be able to pay down debt and save for retirement at the same time. The thing about all this content is that it affects each and every participant at some point in their careers. Sure, a social security webinar may not garner as much interest from the younger crowd, but it is a concern that is front and center for participants in their mid and later careers. On the other hand, a webinar about college savings may not garner much interest from older workers whose children may already be out of college, but it is certainly going to be important for participants in the 30s and 40s. The point is this, these general, almost foundational topics, things that are associated with financial stress and retirement preparedness are the ones that are going to be most helpful to the most people. So those may be several topics to consider. And if you'd like to hear more about getting participants engaged and learning more about what topics would interest them, you can go back and listen to an episode I did last year entitled How to Engage and Motivate Retirement Plan Participants. You can find the link to that episode in the show notes. Moving on from the idea of what we'll talk about during these sessions, next let's consider how we do it. Or what are the best practices for conducting these webinars and virtual meetings? First and foremost, make sure you're deliberate in your planning. Don't just throw an event together because you've listened to this podcast. Take some time and consider the audience, the content, the time of day, the length, and anything else that may bolster or detract from it. The first question many ask is, when do we hold this session? The best way to answer this is to think about your target audience and when they can participate. This could be over the lunch hour, but remember, some people may work different hours, be in different time zones, or may not feel comfortable taking time away from their jobs to sit through a session. This is why it's important to offer both live and then recorded on-demand sessions. For example, for workers who attended Schwab's education sessions last year, 42% watched via an on-demand session rather than attending live virtual meetings. That was a 33% increase from 2020. The great thing about on-demand sessions is, of course, people can watch on their own time. But along with that, there are some other added benefits. Maybe they want to watch at home with their spouse 
or listen during their workout or while nursing a new baby. Plus, these types of sessions may be better suited for folks who are a little bit more introverted or shy about asking questions in person. Finally, these recordings allow people to go back and re-listen to certain content or play back the session at faster or slower speeds. And even though the content is static, on-demand viewers are able to customize their experience. As far as length, 30 to 45 minutes seems to work best. This gives people the ability to fit another meeting into an hour or have a few minutes after the session to do whatever they need to do before the top of the hour. Remember that when conducting these sessions, they don't all have to be live. Based on the feedback of employees, you may know that content about investing basics is highly valued. And as such, you may want to simply offer on-demand sessions for that type of content. On the other hand, some topics such as social security may prompt more questions from participants. So this may be better to offer live. However, one thing I would always make sure you do is record those live sessions. This gives you the ability to post the on-demand recording or possibly make shorter clips of the session that could help promote the full recording or be more quickly digested by employees. The point is that this content should be offered in both formats. You know, to sum up, the virtual meeting is something that is here to stay. Some may feel that it isn't as personal, and there may be people who have trouble getting into the meetings. But for the vast number of people, these meetings provide a great way to provide information to a lot of people in a lot of different places. More and more education is moving online and is available on demand. So it just makes sense for plan sponsors and retirement plans to offer these types of resources as much as possible. Based on the research we saw today, it makes sense for everyone involved. Costs are lowered, education is provided, and employees take positive financial steps because of it. Which, if you ask me, sounds like something that is in everyone's best interest. Plan Talk is produced by Janice Henderson Investors, an asset management firm that hopes to help you reach your goals through investment and educational resources. As always, please subscribe if you'd like to hear our next episode as soon as it's available. But until then, I'm Ben Rizzuto, and you've been listening to Plan Talk. and views expressed are as of the date published and are subject to change. They are for information purposes only, and should not be used or construed as an offer to sell, a solicitation of an offer to buy, or a recommendation to buy, sell or hold, any security, investment strategy, or market sector. No forecasts can be guaranteed. Opinions and examples are meant as an illustration of broader themes, are not an indication of trading intent, and may not reflect the views of others in the organization. It is not intended to indicate or imply, that any illustration or example mentioned is now, or was ever held in any portfolio. Janice Henderson Group PLC, through its subsidiaries, may manage investment products with a financial interest in securities mentioned herein, and any comments should not be construed as a reflection on the past or future profitability. There is no guarantee that the information supplied is accurate, complete, or timely, nor are there any warranties with regards to the results obtained from its use. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal and fluctuation of value. A retirement account should be considered a long-term investment. Retirement accounts generally have expenses and account fees, which may impact the value of the account. Non-qualified withdrawals may be subject to taxes and penalties.
For more detailed information about taxes, consult a tax attorney or accountant for advice. Janice Henderson is a trademark of Janice Henderson Group PLC or one of its subsidiaries. Copyright Janice Henderson Group PLC. C0522-43531. 123023.